And now, Mindful Mondays with Dr. Corliss P. Bennett. about that time again about that time I don't know why Kenny won't let my music play Kenny <laughs> don't let my thank you let me into it there we go you're listening to Mindful Monday with Dr. Corliss P. Bennett welcome to another show yeah see now see how that eases right on in <laughs> Thank you. I Karen. got you. I got you. <laughs> See, now you understand. Well, let me tell you something about this Mindful Monday. It is hot for real. I am sitting here like in Inglewood when normally there is a breeze and I am burning up. It is out of control today. It really is. Wow. Um, yeah. Well, glad to be here another day. So much. So much many things are happening. I'm, I'm so glad that I created this show because it has helped so many people. I get so many texts and phone calls about the topics that that uh, I bring to the show, um, my, my speakers, and it's just been wonderful. Um, lots of feedback last week, and we're going to be continuing on part two and uh, part three of Address the Stress. And I think everybody I don't care how much you try to act like you're not stressed. Everybody needs to address the stress. So before we jump into that, I would like to uh, say a few words about my new sponsor. Um, And it's so interesting because my sponsor have been folks that I have used personally. My first sponsor was Dr. Ron Curtis, who was, is my dentist and has been for over 20 years. Uh, My second sponsor was Right Time Rooter, who my mom, um, I haven't had any plumbing problems because um, I just haven't right now, but my mom has used, and, and, and several of my friends have used Right Time Rooter. And now today, and for the next four weeks, my sponsor will be the twin brother to Rick Curtis, uh, um, to Ron Curtis, Rick Curtis, Farmers Insurance. Yes. Um, I was texting him early to verify how long I've been with him. And he's, I've been, he's, he has been my insurance man for 20 years as a little over 20 years as well. Farmers insurance, um, Rick Curtis agency is the best agency in California. Yes. For 20 years, they have helped clients in California with their home, auto business and life insurance. Now they're located in Inglewood, California, Right there at 319 East Hillcrest Boulevard in Inglewood, California, 90301. And if you want to give them a call, you would like, you need to call them at 310-674-6557. Again, that's 310 310- Six seven four nine five five seven, and make sure you ask for Rick Curtis or Powell Miller, and let them know that Dr. Corliss Bennett sent you. Um, you can also check them out online at wearefarmersla.com. So, uh, um, and the best way to do your insurance is to bundle your auto with your car because you save a lot of money. 
a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money. So um, I have been with him for a long time. I, a matter of fact, I, I remember buying my home in 2004 um, when I was living down here earlier um, before uh, moving and he insured that. So that home and that home and auto, a must. All right. So we've got my girl, Michelle, like I used to call her, <laughs> Miss Michelle Gutman. Um, lots of, lots of, lots of folks been talking about how they hate they missed the address the stress that are listening today. Um, I want to say one of my, one of my best friends out there in St. Louis, hopefully she is logged on, Dr. Nina Caldwell and other folks that I've told that need is to that hear. that Nina that I know? That is the Nina that you know. <laughs> um, and folks are listening all over the world in D.C., in um, Compton, <laughs> all over. Um, but it's really, I'm just, I know that I'm really glad that I created this because if you recall, if you've been a faithful listener, like my girl up in the, the Youngers, um, Sabrina Younger up in Sacramento, and my, and my girl Terry here in Los Angeles, um, know that I started this, Michelle, and I don't know if I told you this, I started this because I know I was going through and I know I needed an outlet for myself. And I thought, I know so many folks, you know, working at USC, all the alums, all my students, their parents, cousins, whatever. And they all have all these wonderful jobs as psychologists and social workers and, and, and just great human beings that can give us some really good, give me, because I'm going to personalize it, give me some really good advice and have been there for me. Uh, through a lot. And it was just like, you know what, I feel like with COVID, I cannot be the only one that's dealing with all this stuff that's going on. Um, there's no way. And I mean, I've lost like four people in like two weeks. And I'm just like, you know what, I can't right now. I, you know, I can't, you know, in the sense, I can't in the sense of believe that it's just back to back to back. And these folks are young. Two of them are just a year older than me and went to high school with me. You know what I'm saying? And so that is just, that hits home when it's that close. And then one of my, I lost one of my students as well. Um, and so it's like, ugh, it's crazy. So I am ready to address the stress that comes with all of that. And I appreciate your topic. And, and for those who missed it last week, Michelle, if you could just kind of go over I know you had a few things. It was like one, I, I wrote down, it was like three main things, but I think I, I might have. Yeah. Well, here's what we're going to do today. All right. So we're going, well, I am, I'm going to recap. I'm going to go through what we talked about last week. So people who didn't listen, they know exactly what we're talking about. I'm going to fine tune some things. So it, some of it will flow a little bit better. Um, and as far, especially when we get to the address part, Corliss, you'll see. Um, but remember, we, the way, we, just what you were talking about, we started the conversation with why are we even having these conversations? And what I said was, because right, we're in this health crisis. We had this health crisis before the pandemic, but it's, it, it's really a situation right now. And what I said was, this is truly a time for people to start taking control of their health. Because if they don't, then what we'll learn during the next hour is how you will eventually get to this place of chronic diseases, chronic illnesses, and what's going on. You could be affected by a virus, right? And 
and when you get to that point, then you have all these medical professionals who then have, they're stepping in and they're, they play a much more larger role in your healthcare than you do. So let's like step back because there's basic things that we can start doing, even like starting tomorrow. And then I talked about my own health challenges, how I was one of those people who struggled for decades and that it led me to what we were talking about, the functional medicine doctor. And I'm going to go into a little bit more about what that is so people understand. But it was that moment that I first, her name was Dr. Linda, that I, my first point, like forever after that, my entire life changed. So imagine going from, you know, a person who uh, like sick all the time to getting to a point where I was 90% better. Like imagine what that's like and what your quality of life is like, right? So going back to functional medicine doctor. So imagine when, you know, you feel something, um, it's a headache or pain or something. You typically, you'll go to a doctor and why you show up because you want to feel better right. and they'll give you something. Or if it's something that goes on for a little bit, They'll run some tests and their, their agenda, their goal is to make sure that there's nothing really wrong with you, right? Their, their job is to keep you alive and safe. A functional medicine doctor, what they do is, so they take your issue and they say, let's say it's a skin issue. So like, what's the root cause? So why is this even happening in the first place? And the way that they approach it is to step back and they look at you as an individual and they say, how is your body functioning? Because we know that like your body is all these different um, systems that function together, right? You have digestion, your heart, your lungs, your kidneys, uh, hormones, they really all work together. And so what they do is they work with you so that your body functions at its best capacity that it's supposed to. That's, that's really, truly what the difference is. So it's really getting to why is this happening in the first place? And then not just, I'm just going to work with you, Corliss, on a skin condition. I'm really going to show you like how your entire body operates as a whole and work on that. And so that's what we, that's what we did with her. And if you remember last week, I talked about the homeostasis, right? The, the balance where I talked about stretching your arms out, right? Just imagine the top half of a clock, the three o'clock and the nine o'clock and the 12s in the middle. And we talked about the three o'clock was um, those people that there's nothing wrong. They're perfect. They're healthy. They do all the right things. They never have any issues. They never have any stress. And I made the joke and I said, okay, there's truly nobody who lives there. There, there isn't, right? But we do the very best we can. And so I used the example of imagine that the minutes between 12 and three for everything that happens in your life or things that you don't do, that it moves the needle up towards 12, right? So we talked about, okay, I eat Taco Bell five times a week. Okay, I drink a lot. I smoke. I work 15 hours a day. And so that needle moves up to 12 o'clock. And when it hits there, that's when the symptoms first show up, right? And then so what do we do? Those are the times we're going to our doctor. Hey, I have this headache. Okay, it's been a little bit, a little while. But most of the time, because that's the way we're trained, we just push through there because we really just want to do what we can do because our bodies are really resilient, right? When you're hanging out between 12 and three, a lot of times you don't feel that stuff. So we live there, we can live a while, but if we don't go back to doing the things that we're supposed to be doing and removing the things that don't serve us or work for us, then eventually the needle moves to the other side, right? Past 12 o'clock and now we're at nine o'clock and it's over there that those are the folks with chronic diseases, chronic illnesses, and sometimes unfortunately it's death. And what I said was, the longer that we're on this 
side between 12 and nine, it's really hard for a person to do and self-correct back to the other side. Because one, we don't know how long a person's been there. And then the second thing is the longer we don't take care of ourselves, there's more damage to the systems. And some of it, it's, it's, it's just not correctable, right? So I want, remember this statement as we finish this uh, today is my body is designed to keep me alive, right? And remember, I went into this thing about how I went to this thing about connecting like nature, right? We talked about, you know, birds can like how they take twigs and they make nests and lay eggs. Like nobody teaches them that. And, you know, fish, you throw them in water and they swim and birds, you give them wings and they fly. And imagine you take a seed and you give it soil and you give it water, give it sun and it grows right Right. into these beautiful things. Nobody teaches it. Nobody tells a tree grow. It just does. And I said, the human body is the same way, right? You would never go and take that seed and put it in your bathroom floor and give it some water and stare at it and go, why aren't you growing, right? It doesn't work that way. The body is designed the exact same way. It will do what it's supposed to do. It will function the way it's supposed to. It's if you give it the resources to do that. And when you don't, then it doesn't, right? So then I talked about where I started with uh, my first doctor. Dr. Linda, she talked about, we have to remove the stress. And what most people, when you think of stress, it's really weird. We're talking about everything, right? Little by little. But then I talked about, okay, exactly what is stress? So remember that, right? We talked about balance, the homeostasis. What is that? So we're talking internal, not like external relationships, blah, blah, blah. We're talking about all the systems in your body. Are they operating its full capacity at its full function, the best it's supposed to. So anything that throws that system or your systems off balance and then causes the chemical and physical reactions that we talked about, that's really, right? So remember I gave the example of the tiger and I said, if you saw the tiger, what automatic, like without your body thinking about it, what automatically happens? You have that reaction that reaction again, and this stuff is really important. We're going to dig deep in a little later, but your blood pressure goes up, sugar goes up, your digestion slows way down, your sex hormones go down, the acidity level inside your body increases. Uh, You get pumped with adrenaline, you get pumped with cortisol, right? So all this stuff is, if I see a tiger, I need, my body needs to do what it needs to do to get the heck out of there, right? Okay. Yeah. That's completely natural, right? We it's it's your body's designed that way, and you want that to happen. What happens though is over time, day after day, month after month, day after year, imagine all these things that are happening to you, and you're having that reaction over and over and over and over. That's the stuff that causes chronic diseases and chronic illnesses, right? Now, then we got to the address. Okay, Corliss, so. <laughs> I thought I had said this and I thought maybe it was obvious, but it wasn't. That was supposed to be an acronym. <laughs> okay. Address. <laughs> oh, I did see. I didn't catch that. <laughs> Don't feel bad because a lot of people are like, no, nah, I didn't catch that either. Okay. So okay, no, I had no you, clue. Okay. Well, nobody had thought I had said it in the beginning, but anyway, so we're going to start fresh. <laughs> so I said, the dress part, D-R-E-S-S, those were the non-negotiables that I said. Like, um, these are foundational things that you could do, like, starting tomorrow. You don't need to wait till January 1st. 
I added the A and the D one because it was an acronym made it cute. But it was because I said, these are really two things that I, you pay attention to and you need to do before you even start to get into some of the basic principles. And if, remember, if you remember, the first one was the A and that was the attainable achievements. So I said, some people like to call it goals, but I'm going to go a little deeper today. It, so imagine if I came and I showed up today and I said, I have 50 things that I want people to change so that they could get towards that place on three o'clock of optimal. Right. You, you get the eye rolling just like you just right. gave me. Well, that part you just go. gave me stress thinking exactly. that, it took that, that it takes that minute. So imagine oh, this, okay. January 1st, what do we do? I want to lose weight. And then you do something and people go, you got to drink water. You got to do this. You got to do this. And some people are gung ho, but what typically happens is you fall off. Right. So what I said was, you can take anything we're going to talk about today and chunk it into small bite-sized things that you could go, okay, I can do this. And you do it for a little bit. And then you add on, I can do this. And then the goal is if you started tomorrow, look back one year from now and look how much your life has changed. Because think about it. How, how long have we been in COVID? Over a year and a half. And 18 months. Imagine if you added just say 20 things over those 18 months changes, how much different would your life be? If you just made 20 little tiny changes that now you incorporate on a regular basis, right? So let's, let's, let's make it small. So let's say we're talking about diet and you go, okay, my first goal, I want to get rid of sugar. That simple, like just, just work on that. And then you look and you find ways, how can I, how, and you make it fun. How can I remove sugar? I talked about before, Mine was that because of um, a test that um, I could no longer have gluten, I had to learn how to remove gluten. I, so I worked on that, right? So you don't have to do everything at once. Just make it in small bite-sized pieces. The next one I talked about digestion, and I'll tell you why. That was the foundation for me of where I started. And for three reasons, I think it's important for everyone. One is, most people don't know that your immune system, a large part of it is housed in your digestive system. A large part. Hello. What do we talk about today? COVID. Boost your immunity. A large part of your immunity is actually in your digestive system. Second thing is your digestive system is actually, it coordinates with almost all of your other body functions, with your heart, with your lungs, with your hormones, all of it. And it makes sense because think about it. We said this last week. If you don't have the ability to digest the food and the stuff that you put in your mouth, how are you ever going to nourish all of your other body systems, right? right? You feed your brain, you feed your nerves, you feed your you know, development of your, your bones and your tissues, all of it. So I say to anybody out there, if you have, I, I had major digestive issues, you should really look into starting there because it leads into the next one was the diet, right? So imagine someone who has severe digestive issues, their diet is going to be really different than most people. Okay. So as most people, when I coached, most people would come to me and that was normally a question. I, okay. What, what do I eat? That's what everybody wants to know. What do I eat? And the questions I would always say is first, where is it that you want to go? Where do you want to end up? But most important, where are you right now? Because a diet is very different for a person who has diabetes. Right. 
digestive issues, hormonal issues. Hello, ladies, when we hit our 50s, your diet changes. It has to. All right. So so your diet is going to be very different. And so that's why I say, where, where are you starting right now? Where do you want to go? But some basic changes that, that you can make are you can um, start the process of like, I always say for everybody, removing junk food. That's a really great place to start, right? That's very basic. And then the second thing is when you remove something that you're accustomed to, you have to figure out something else to replace it with, okay? And then the last one, which was a key health most people is adding something called fermented foods so that was that was um, the diet the next one that we talked about was the r was rest so we're talking about sleep now i don't know anybody who hasn't heard that we need to get seven hours of sleep per night and what the first reaction i always get is that would be nice if one i had the time and two if i could actually sleep for seven or eight hours right and so I always say it's not like the, when I, again, when I coach people, we do talk about the how, but I always say too, it's the why. And here's what I mean by that is I find it very interesting as when we say we're, we're very, a very busy society that the first thing willing to sacrifice is sleep. And I always find it interesting because I think always if people don't know the true importance of sleep and that that's your body's time to not only just rest, but to process stuff, to detoxify and to get rid of all the extra junk that doesn't belong in your system in the first place. It happens during that whole process. And I remember like when you talk to certain successful people, I always used to hear this thing about sleep when you're dead, right? Like it's like, it's, you're supposed to get applause or something that if you're one of those people that you push yourself really hard and you're, you're doing stuff and you're being successful 15, 16 hours a day, and that sleep is something that you sacrifice. And what if you pay attention and you look at some of the most successful people, look at their health conditions. I don't know very many people who wind up over in that optimal place of health when they do things and they push their bodies beyond a point that, that our bodies are designed to do. So that was the R and that, so that was um, sleep. Then the next one was exercise, right? It seems pretty basic. And again, that seems to be the next thing. So it was exercise. And again, that seems to be the next thing when we talk about, I don't have enough time, people are willing to just give it up. Like that's another one that they're willing to sacrifice. Or that I don't like to exercise. So again, I always say, so what is your agenda? What's your, what is your goal? Because look, if you want to look like Jennifer Lopez, that's a totally different strategy than what we're talking about today. We're really talking about what is, what's required for the body, to, again, to be healthy and to, uh, to have it function and, and at its optimal level. I say 10 minute increments throughout the day. You can do anything for 10 minutes. Find something fun. You can walk with friends. I love to just take walks and listen to podcasts podcasts. They could be listening to your radio show right now and, and doing a walk, but you can do anything for 10 minutes a day. And two of the biggest reasons is one, it's for the endorphins. So I want you to imagine like little kids, you ever see little kids jumping on trampolines or in those bouncy houses? Don't they look like they're having a good time? They're laughing. They're happy. 
happy. It's you get those endorphins running. And there's something, and I won't go into too much detail because I don't want to be too geeky, but it's something called the lymphatic system. And it's again, it's a it's something that's it's designed inside of your body that helps your body process toxins out of your body. And what most people don't know is it doesn't circulate, it doesn't move your the, the lymphatic system to resort. If you're sitting still, you need to be moving, right? So two key things is we want to keep all those fluids moving and because of all the endorphins. So that's for the so E was exercise, Corliss, now that you're back with us. <laughs> that's See, okay. this what stresses me, technology. I'm always nervous that something's going to happen like that. And my internet went out. So anyway, I had to go to the That's iPad. okay. So you're e back is for... exercise. E is exercise. And R, yes, and the R was rest. Okay, so the next, the S, was the socialization. So this, I know, I wanted to clarify because I know you got a little confused about where I was going with this. But when I said socialization, I talked about tribes, community. What I was saying is, okay, going back to that concept, my body is designed to keep me safe. So we're talking about how I was going back to just how the brain works, right? So imagine you're, when you're living in survival mode, right? How, you, how your lifestyle is, how you react on a day-to-day basis. You're not to live in survival mode all the time. That process is not healthy. Graduated from that, the next layer was socialization. Why? Because again, think of your tribe, think of your community. Those are the people that make you feel comfortable and make you feel safe, right? So when I talked about the three S's, Corliss, last week, I was saying survival is the bottom. You want to graduate to socialization, and I'm going to tie it into the how this works for stress. And then the third one was spiritual. The reason I was bringing it, that in is think about it. Spiritual is that stuff about it's joy, it's gratitude, it's happiness, it's purpose. There's no way that you can actually mentally operate both spiritual and survival you can, if you're in survival mode there's no way you actually get to those layers where you're in that mode of happiness and joy of finding your purpose right does that make sense you, okay. you can't occupy you can't occupy this at the same time so you graduate so nextly you find survival you find um your um tribe your your community and think back to if i want to make a change take weight loss because we've all been there with this example, is if I say, this is something I'm going to do, and then I'm hanging around people who are not in that same space, like they're just laid, they could care less. How successful are you in doing this if those are the people who are are part of your community? Now, I don't want you to imagine that you said, you know what, these are things I want to start doing tomorrow. Now I'm going to find new tribe and a new community how much more successful are you on a regular basis to do this stuff? It's right. key. But the really cool part is, and, I, and this is important, is remember, as we mature, as we grow, and as we develop Corliss, like our tribes and community are supposed to change all the time. Like we're always going to have the hardcore ones, you know, like family and really deep, deep friends for whatever reason. But just as we just mature and develop and grow and change, our tribes and community are always changing too. It's really important to find people that you, again, make you feel safe and make you feel comfortable. And then the last one we talked about, last S, was the stressors, right? So those are things that actually cause that stress cycle. 
And then we went deep into emotions. That was one of the stressors. And I want to finish off with the emotions. Because you remember, we talked about a little bit about the grief. And we talked about anger. Mm. We talked about fear. And why I that was important is, think about it with everything that's going on today. We, we, we live in this, this society, this culture that has this thing about really just minimizing and just diminishing emotion right we have to have labels they're good they're bad they're right they're wrong boys have certain emotions they're allowed to have girls have certain emotions that they're allowed to have but I want to talk about ladies for a minute because I know I know I went through this is that there's this like we're supposed to be happy and and zenful and peaceful and joyful and 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 um giving and we're supposed to be all this stuff all the time and when we're not that somehow like we're made to be, we're a failure. Like we're, we did something wrong. We messed something up. Right. And oh my God, right? remember I said, shame, shame, shame. If you dare step back and say, wait a minute, I need to take some time to really work on this address or address this. Like there's this thing like society has this like message, like they need to shame you. And we see that going on right now. Look at the um, uh, Olympic athletes, right? Mm. I can't be my very best I can't show up for my very best so what do you do we're going to attack them and we're going to shame them right how many women do you know that they're especially during the last year and a half burnout overwhelm all of that stuff so I said the three steps that I talked about as far as emotions one was the identifying the emotion remember I said what exactly is anger right I said anger was that some part of you was violated, whether it was a rule, one of your values, one of your beliefs, right? We talked about that. You know, what was fear? Fear was you have this mental picture of how you think something's going to shake out. And what was the second step was after you identify it, you have to give people permission to move through it, Mm. right? Give people permission to move through it. Okay. And then the last step was understand that this was a stressor, which causes a stress response that the end thing was after you move through it, you have to get rid of all these effects from a stress response. Like that's the stuff that's lingering in your body. That's making us ill and sick. Right. So all the whole cycle that we're talking about, we don't take, nobody teaches us. And, and because we're so busy, many people don't take the time to really process that stuff and remove it from your body. And we talked about a little bit, like one or some of those techniques, there's all kinds of stuff. All the people that you've shared in your um, talks in the last few months, Corliss, a lot of those, your speakers have talked about some of that stuff. Um, the hypnotherapy, one of your, 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 your speakers talked about, or, uh, you know, I do something, I do um, meditation. I do meditation all the time right now, but yoga, Pilates, you can walk, Um, you can get a massage, you can, there's just taking a hot bath, like there's all kinds of things. But the key is, is that you really have to find something to remove the effects of that stress response from your body. Because again, that's the stuff that's making us sick. So let me, so let me ask you, because that's the, I think, I think for me and probably for most is that, like you said, we identify, we know we're angry about this. We know we're fear this is scaring us this is grieving us this and 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 like you said we're taking the steps to move through it which was number two right but i think 
you know what? I don't think step three happens a lot. And I think that's, is that where, is that why, you know, cause like, for example, I mean, I just, like I said, I've lost three or four people in the last two weeks. And so last week I did go get a massage. I, I did. And I felt better. Um, I, I, but the, but the, I did feel better, but that, that piece where you get rid of it, like it's, it's the lingering piece that's in your mind that keeps replaying. Is that the piece you're talking about that we need to get rid of or? No, because if the lingering piece, the- if you're, the lingering piece is still lingering, if it's still lingering in your mind then you haven't fully processed it. And from what we talked about last week is I don't think a lot of people give themselves permission to fully process stuff. But I think also we live in this culture right now where we don't allow other people to process stuff because number one, most people don't like to be around people who are going through some type of emotion. One, because they don't know how to deal with it. But two is because we think that if we interject something positive in the middle of it, like it's supposed, it, it'll just snap you out of it and take That's you. Away. Yeah. Right. And what I'm saying, remember, and I, because I, I think I brought this up last week, I had done this to a friend, it was a couple months ago, very common, where she had called me because she was frustrated because she had had this situation with her boss. And, okay, so the, you know, end result was I said, okay, the guy's a, and I, you know, not a nice word, we know that, right? And what I was trying to separate is, you know, it's not, it's about him, it's not you, you're a good person, blah, 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 on that. But the whatever reaction she was having for conversation with her boss, she was having some kind of an emotional reaction to it. And while I was trying to stop it where what I should have done was let her finish, let her process it. And then once she's gone through it, right. Then you work on, okay. Like now once person process it, then you could start talking about stuff about what are you grateful for or what kind of things make you happy or when a person is in the middle, especially a really deep, hardcore emotion, we're not doing people service when we just cut it off. And I brought the example, remember, Corliss, about the grief, right? How, you know, when you lose a parent where if I would approach somebody and I would be hysterically crying when my mother passed and, it, and well-intentioned where people would say this thing about, they'd stop you and go, because they want to make you feel better. Oh, she's in a better place. Right, right, right. It didn't make, it didn't, that didn't help me. Right. That one, it used to make me angry. Right. And then I wouldn't want to talk to that person because I'm thinking, you you don't want to deal, you don't want to deal with my emotions. So I'll go find somebody who will. Because I used to always say no, because my mother wanted to be here. She didn't want to be in heaven. I knew they met well. They're not mean, malicious people, but allowing a person so what I always so when people talk about grief I always warn them if you want to go in your um a room and have a temper tantrum have a temper tantrum I'll give you an example this was this is a great release I was sitting in a uh it was a class that I was listening in on and the class had to do with something called inner child I don't know if you know what that is but in, in essence it's just um Like we all have stuff that we bring from us when we're children, right? And there was this, it was a, it was on Zoom and the the guy who he he was sharing it. And in the beginning, like his whole, he was stone cold, like completely stoic, no emotion whatsoever. And so they're talking to him and you could tell 
he had a difficult time talking about stuff about stuff that happened in his childhood. And the trainer said, okay, so here's what I want you to do. You can turn off your camera. I want you to go where you are in your room. I want you to scream at your lungs. I want you to rip the stuff off of your bed. I want you to get on there and beat your pillow if you want to, and then come back. And he was like, no, okay, I'll turn off my camera, but I'll let you listen. And we did. And she said, do it for like, two, I'm going to give you two minutes. And when he came back, Corliss, when she had a conversation with him, he had reactions. He smiled. He laughed. Like, cause like that, he needed to re- like release all of that stuff. Yes. Right. So I want to, so before I want to get to the last part, cause I want to talk about childhood and I want to tie all this in together. Right. So imagine like when you're a child, when you're born, like your brain is, it's like a clean slate. It's the, 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 so think about it from the time you're zero to six, that's when you learn everything, like your language, right? What language do you speak? But good and bad, right and wrong. The brain has no contact between those ages of like taking in things and processing it. And what does it mean? And, you know, releasing it. So here, here's why I bring this up. So imagine when you're a child, all the little things that happen to you, sometimes big things that actually cause those stress responses. So let me give you an example. So let's say you're a kid, you, we grew up in a rough neighborhood, stress response. Maybe you're a um, minority child and you grew up in an all white neighborhood. And you got made fun of all the time, stress response, right? Maybe you had a dysfunctional family stress response. Maybe you had, you know, you, you live in a highly polluted area, stress response. So you get it. So imagine stress response, stress response. So it goes on all the time. And remember as kids, they don't know how to process that. They don't certainly don't know how to release that. All they know is that they, something's happening to them and then they have a reaction to it. That's all they know. Right. So here, as we get older, now we're adults. So two things happen is one, that whole stress response cycle that I talked about, it is so highly activated at that point that imagine, and I'll share like we've talked about me or imagine, cause I grew we talked about that one time on your show about all the racial slurs and not fitting in. And as an adult, if I heard a person make a racial comment, my whole like inner cycle went and this anger would come out. I just, ne- I like never knew why. I always just say, well, maybe people shouldn't say stupid stuff, right? I had no idea what was happening inside of me. But the key is this. I want you to think about certain communities and see how this works. So imagine that's how you were a kid over and over and over and over. And now as an adult, you're doing the same thing over and over and over. We're not treating this. We're not changing anything. All right. Go back to the stress response cycle. So you have uh, increase in blood pressure over and over and over. What can that cause or develop into hypertension you have blood sugar issues increasing over and over and over what can that develop into diabetes you have decreased um, digestion from these stress responses over and over and over what could that lead to well first digestive issues but again going back to the functional part most people your thyroid is highly related interrelated with your digestive system so imagine Stress response, stress response, stress response. Now I have uh, digestive issues. Now I have thyroid issues. What can that turn into? Hello, loss of hair. I can't lose weight. 
my fingers and toes are cold all the time. All right, let's do the other ones. What happens when you have adrenaline rushes over and over and over and over time? Over time, you can have insomnia. You can have anxiety. Go back to why can't I sleep? Did you turn off the stress response before you go to bed? Last one. What happens when you have a flush of cortisol going through your body year, day after day, year after year from the time that you're a child and now you're an adult? What could that develop into? Cortisol, belly fat. Here's what happens. You want to lose weight. You go to the trainer or you bought those infomercials for many, many years. And then you try it and you go, I can't lose this belly fat. And then your trainer looks at you and says, are you sure you're following the program? I'm not sure I believe you, right? Have you ever had that happen to you? Yeah, many, many times in my past, right? So you see see how this develops. So my point is, if we don't start to take control over some of this, you could then see how then eventually it develops into chronic issues, chronic symptoms, and then chronic diseases. So the last part I just want to talk about when we talk about emotions is just that. If we continue that as far as, you know, we're talking just strictly emotions is that if we continue to not process these emotions, if the emotions are um, unmet, then eventually what happens is it will eventually sabotage the other principles that we talked about, right? Think about it. If you've never addressed underlying issues when you were a child, how does that affect your diet? Any of us ever like eat to soothe ourselves, right? Emotional emotional eating. Emotional eating, exactly. Right? Imagine so then how does it affect your your desire to exercise? Again, how does that affect your sleep? Again, even going to the precursors that I talked about, how does that affect your digestion? Right? If you're under this um, constant emotion all the time. How does that even affect your ability just to even want to make any changes, right? Because most of us who live in that, I'm just looking at surviving today, right? Right. The last thing you want to think about is, okay, I need to fix something. You know, that's amazing how all of this is just, I mean, as you're talking, I'm thinking, my God, like, I mean, we are all creatures of habit of not letting things go and things that, and like you said, things from childhood or something someone said 20 years ago is still affecting you. And that, that, and and you haven't said anything that no one can't understand. You know what I'm saying? You're not having this secret recipe. Everything that you've said relates to everybody. And that's what's so scary. I'm sitting here thinking like how, Right. I'm like, okay, what, what things am I holding on to that I, that I need to let go in order to be successful? And, and that emotional eating happens. Um, the, and, 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 oh, going back to what you were saying about the breathing and how people say, oh, they're in a better place or they're, they're not in pain anymore. And, and it's like, okay, clearly we know that. You know, so, and it's, it's unfortunate because, you know, we've, we've been a victim to it. We've also said that to others without thinking, you know, but if you don't have that moment where you can just really take the time and address it and just say, you know, I miss my dad. 
and, and have that crying moment or have that happy moment or have whatever moment it is, you know, with grieving, I guess it's a little different because I don't care. I mean, I, I, I know I've, I've spoken to people or people have, um, you know, spoke to me about when I lost my dad and they said, I lost my dad 20 years ago. And I, sometimes I get that same feeling like it was just today. And, and so, so I guess yeah. grieving is probably not a good example because grieving is just an emotion that, you know, no one can really put a, a cap on, a label on, because there's like this different stages. So it just really depends on what's happening to you at that moment. Um, and, and that's something I learned even in, in, I was in the grief group for like the first 16 weeks of this year, because I was like, okay. I, you know, to process these things with other people who are also grieving, I, I didn't, I didn't think it would, I didn't think it would be helpful, but I'm here to tell you that it is. Okay. And goes back thought. to the piece, goes back to the piece, right? All it ties together, socialization, who's your tribe, who's your community for right. that part of your life. How highly, like I always said, when you lose your parents, you just joined a club you wished you weren't a member of. Right. Right. But you are. And nobody can ever nobody could ever know what that feels like. Right. So it's this connection that you that you you forever have with somebody. That's that's the whole piece about um, tribe and community. But, but we have a little bit of time, Carlos. I was wondering if we could do because mm-hmm. one of like I said, one of the, the techniques that I do to help relax and just remove some of that stuff is just it's the, it's just like a small, I want, it's not a full meditation, but it's just the breathing part. So I wondered if we could do that now. Sure. No, I I would, I would, I would love that. (laughs) Okay. So I want you guys, and then if your listeners want to do it, I hope they want to follow along because we're just going to do, it's like going to be a minute or two. And then I'm going to read, I want everyone to just pay attention because I'm going to read something that I, someone shared with me. Cause like I said, when you put stuff out there, it's amazing what comes to you. All right, so everyone, I want you to just close your eyes. And what I want you to do is, I want you to take, you're going to inhale for three, hold it, and then exhale three. Ready? Inhale for three. Hold it. Release for three. Inhale for three, hold it, release for three. One more time, inhale for three, hold it, release for three. Keep your eyes closed. Now I want you to imagine that the energy now is at the very base of your spine And this time when you inhale for three, it's going to go all the way up to the top of your spine. And then it's going to come out of your forehead. Ready? You're going to inhale for three. And now it's going to go out your forehead for three. One more time. Take a really big, deep breath. Inhale for three all the way up your spine. Hold it. Make it come out of your forehead really hard for three. Now I want you to keep your eyes closed. I want you to put your hands on your lap. 
we're going to go through, we're going to feel some of your senses. So I want you to like kind of rub your thighs and tell your brain, what is it that you're feeling right now? What does the texture feel like? Is it soft? Is it rough? Now I want you to take your tongue and I want you to kind of just kind of play with it in the inside of your mouth, the front of your teeth, the bottom of your teeth. Now I want you to tell your brain, what's the most prominent taste in your mouth? Now I want you to go to your ears and I want you to really pay attention. And what is it that you hear? What's the most prominent sound that you hear? Now I want you to take one deep breath inside your nose. Can you pick up any scents in the room? What's the most prominent scent in the room? And now I want you to take that energy again back down to the base of your spine. Breathe again. The energy is going to go up your spine. In for three. Now this time it's got the three come out of your mouth. Now stay in this space just for a second. I want you to pay attention to my voice. You can keep your eyes closed. Or you can open them if you choose to. If you open your eyes, just make sure that you do it really slowly. I'm going to read something to you that was given to me. So just follow your voice. So imagine you're having this conversation with your higher power. You can call that higher power anything that you want. Hey, God. Well, hello, my love. God, I'm falling apart. Can you help put me back? Well, I'd rather not. What? Because you're not a puzzle. But what about all the pieces of my life that seems that they're falling down right now, all the way to the ground? Well, let them stay there because they fall off for a reason. Take some time and decide if you need any of them. But you don't understand because I feel like I'm breaking down. No, you don't understand. You're not breaking down. You're breaking through. What you're feeling is growing pains. You're shedding the things and the people in your life that are holding you back. You're not falling apart. You're falling into place. Relax. Take some deep breaths and allow those things that you don't need to now come off of you. Quit holding on to pieces that no longer fit you or serve you anymore. Let them fall off. Let them go. But once I start doing that, then what's left of me? (sighs) Only the very best pieces of you. But you don't understand. I'm, I'm scared about changing. I keep telling you you're not changing. You're becoming. 
You're becoming the person I've created you to be, a person of light, a person of love, a person of clarity, hope, and courage, and joy. I made you to be something than just shallow little pieces. So my child, let those things fall off. Oh, Lord, there goes another piece. Yep. So you mean I'm not broken? No, it's a new new day. You're not broken. You're becoming. Wow. Become, become, become. Open your eyes. Wow. <laughs> wow. 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 <laughs> wow. I, I never thought of it like that. And, and I know people, and I didn't think of it like that, like, these pieces, it's not that we're broken, it's just that we're growing. If I could tell anyone, I remember going through my own challenges for a really long time. And when I said that I had hit rock bottom and that I, I didn't, I just assumed that my life was always going to be that way. Anybody ever go through, like you go through this where you say, why me, why me, why me? And I remember one time Oprah said, who would you rather it be? And I remember back in the day, I used to say, well, I can give you a laundry list of people I'd rather it be than me. <laughs> right. But you, cause you're not in that space, right? That's the survival space. It's all about you. I'm just trying to survive. You and God help me figure out, just let me survive. Right. But again, you never get, you can't be in a survival space. And then also be in that spiritual space. Imagine when you go to church, right? For all of you that do go to church, how do you feel when you're in church? And then when you come out for even just however long it is, you feel like a totally different person because you surrender all that stuff while you're there. And then, but again, if you go to back to the space, what survival, 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 but I'll tell you now I always look back and I'm unbelievably grateful for all the stuff that happened to me because of where I am today. Like, it's just amazing to me that I've gotten the last six or seven years to help other. I get to talk about this all the time and share this all the time. And again, there is never more of an important time than right now for all of this stuff. Like we are in a crisis. I truly believe that. And we could look at the news because look, if you turn on the news today, Corliss, what do you see? Right. You see what's going on in Tallahassee, like beyond awful. You see COVID's raging. You see the civil stuff still going on and fight and hating and all that other stuff. And you could look at that and just think. Like, this is this is the end. You go, no, that's the survival space. No, you every you understand everything has a purpose. Everything has a reason. Everything plays out. And if you're a spiritual person, you think pieces there you let go pieces but then new pieces come <laughs> wow man <laughs> i'm just like you have definitely left us a lot to think about and and to process and to realize how much we hold on to wow wow and you haven't said any magical fairy dust. You haven't said take vitamin this. You haven't said, oh, you need echinacea. Oh, you need to sip on some coffee. Oh, you need CBD oil. You haven't said any of that. 
everything that you talked about is stuff that's within ourselves. And I hope that everybody got that because I got it. It's like, you. I mean, yes, we need and this is, and this is Yeah, exactly. And I, because I don't want to diminish any of that stuff. Right. When, because when I, when I coach people, that's what we would do is number one is talk about worry. Where are you now? Where do you want to go? Right. We need to work on cleaning out the stuff that's no longer serving us, adding stuff that is going to serve us. And then in the meantime, in order to get us, you know, we want to, we need something, we need a little help. We need to feel good. I have nothing against all that stuff that the, the, right. If a person's in chronic pain every day, it, you take something that makes you feel better. Cause again, survival is I'm suffering in pain every day. All I'm looking for is for you to take this pain away. Right. But if you're taking something, right? Okay, now the pain is relaxed. Now the your your brain can process other stuff that you you're supposed to and that you need to do. So I have right. no, I have nothing against regular doctors. I have nothing against I, I hope the big this was just one layer, Corliss, emotions. Right. There's so many other layers that we can talk about. Right. But what but, I was saying is that all everything that you just took us through in this last hour. It's all, it's our mind, our hearts, our mind, our body, our souls, that it was nothing extra. You know, like I said, those things happen. I mean, I have, unfortunately, as a cancer survivor, um, unfortunately, I have to take a, a, a chemotherapy drug, period. If I don't take it, the cancer is going to ease back and then I'm going to end up having to deal with that. So I, I know that. And so therefore... What I was saying, which you, which you did mention, is that I know I have to take this. People know they have to do that. They need to rub this ointment. They need to do whatever it is. But everything you took us through today had nothing to do with any of that. It had everything. Those are the non-negotiable basics. Yes. Oh my God, Michelle! Wow, dude. That's the non- I- Those are the non-negotiable basics. Get do that stuff. Just. Again, what you eat from this point forward, what serves you, what hurts you? Does that mean we can't have chocolate cake or candy if we don't do it? Heck no, I enjoy it. I want, I'm want. i human and I'm realistic. I have my right, moments right. too. But right. if you do stuff like 80, 90% of the time, we're good. Get your body moving and functioning the way it's supposed to, the way it's designed to. So I'm going to put a challenge out there for everyone. I challenge everyone to walk. 30 minutes put on your jam whatever that jam is and just walk you know all these years I've been trying to walk every day every day I started walking on April 15th and that opened up a whole new horizon of, of exercising now I have a trainer I'm doing the aqua ro- aqua fit class which is like the aqua aerobics and I've never been so on top of it as I am now and I think it's because I looked at COVID and I said I need a break from sitting on this couch on these walls let me just walk outside and hear the traffic watch the little boy ride his bicycle you know 30 minutes i dare you i dare you everyone this next week and i'm gonna check on you because now it's time to wrap up unfortunately fortunately but unfortunately i dare you to try it take a walk Three times this week. I'm, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna start with like you said, attainable goals. I'm not saying go out there and do it every week, every day, every day, because that's the piece that pisses everybody off. Because when you do it and you get sick of it, but I am gonna put a challenge out there to the Mindful Monday listeners that three times this week you are going to 
walk 30 minutes. You can walk more, but a minimum 30 minutes where it's just Corliss, you. Before we, before we go, can I? Go ahead. Go ahead. Your permission next week. I wanted to do the final deep work exercise. Absolutely. 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 So stay tuned next week. I know it's time to go. We've got like one minute. It's 559. Three times this week. I dare you. 30 minutes. Take time for you. Take time for you. Okay. Well, we are going to move on. Thank you so much, Michelle Gutman. Next week, she will be back to conclude this whole segment of how to take care of you and address the stress. Until then, Mindful Monday is now checking out. Thank you so much and um, have a great rest of your week. Bye for now. Good afternoon, Dr. Orkay. How are you? I am doing great. And I, I just listened to the tail end of my sister's uh, presentation, Dr. Khalis Burnett. And yes. uh, always, I just at times want to just jump in before she signs off. Oh, you because can. It just, you absolutely can. It just dovetails into the million of other things going on in our life. Yes. yes. Because I'm a global health practitioner and I am tuned, I've been trained to think global. Think of the picture. But (laughs) global also includes my neighbor that lives just, (laughs) just next door right now. And tonight, as we have, as we continue our theme on advocacy, and we have a most awesome sister that will be joining us with our own story. I just listened to what she talked about. You know, you take that walk. Yes. You just let it be. You you shed some. You shed a little. I did not sleep last night. Yes, that's what you said. Yes. And it's not because I'm right there in Afghanistan. But I did Pakistan. Mm. I did Afghanistan. I gave them 11 months too. Mm -hmm. Then I think of the anniversary of 9-11, which is just around the corner. Sure is. 9-11-2001. Wow. The Twin Tower. Yes. You know what happened? And we're doing the 20th anniversary and the Taliban are still in charge. Yes. So think of the talent and treasure. Think of the blood. Think of the toil. It's not what we can wish away. And uh, if we think global, if we think of the Chinese virus, the Kung Fu virus or any other thing, our former president wants to call it. It does not stop the fact that it's keeping us from 
living our lives as we used to know it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. everything has changed. So it is not a time right now where we look for scapegoating. It is his fault. It is his fault. It is his fault. Come on. We've had yeah. enough of that. Yes. When I started this show last year, I had an afro. What happened to my head? (laughs) 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 Everything has dropped. That is just the fact that we should keep it real. And before we go too far into the show, and as we think of, in your own words, which is a conversation with me, where we prepare nothing, we just talk about topical issue and we follow the individual through their own journeys. Mm-hmm. Let us not forget those that do not have votes. So in the last few meetings, we'll be talking about advocacy, a patient-centered approach, mm-hmm. health advocacy, patient advocacy, disease awareness. Why? Because, well, it's just my natural bias because I grew up in the healthcare industry. And this should be a talk ordinarily that we should be giving to providers. But guess what? We are giving to our clients and the people we support right now because we want them to have greater control Mm-hmm. over their own lives. But we must also pause for a minute and think of our brothers in Haiti. They just had the earthquake. Yes. If that was not enough, <laughs> there is a storm that will make landfall. Yes. <gasps> oh, oh my gosh. Haiti gets it. God, yes. Haiti gets and it. somebody will tell us, oh, because of voodoo. Yeah, I've heard yeah. that so many Is times. it just because they are Black people? Right, right. And it is the curse of the Western Hemisphere. But meanwhile, across the pond in Florida, Governor DeSantis is telling us right now that he's setting up an emergency committee, a team that will go out and treat people with COVID. So they are ready to administer those expensive medications. But they are not going to tell you about hand washing, social distancing, and facial covering, which is coming first. These are issues. So if any of these does not keep you up at night, please talk to me. Let me give you a list so that I will tell you what will disturb you just a little bit. So uh, I will let uh, my sister... Yolanda, please introduce the guest for tonight. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we've got Betty Pearson Grimble. Hope yeah. I pronounced that right. Yeah, that's and thank you, thank you. Betty has a 31-year-old daughter. Oh, you look good. And a 29-year-old son and a thank five-year-old you. granddaughter. Her son is autistic, and this has absolutely changed her life. It has made Betty aware that change is not scary but necessary. She attended Dominguez Hills, Cal State Dominguez Hills, and she obtained her master's in sociology. She has, she is the autism chair for the city of Los Angeles, and she has created a funding, created funding to 
assist young people with special needs that go to Cal State Long Beach. Very good. She is a parent advocate for all, all ages, and she assists parents and caregivers to find the best programs for those kids and folks at the college level that need it. She is currently a board member at Westside Regional Center as the board president, and her son currently attends El Camino College. His interests are skating, bicycle, bicycling, surfing, drama, and special Olympics. He sounds like a well-rounded kid. <laughs> he does everything. Very good. And you're a grandmother of a five-year-old granddaughter. Good for you. Isn't oh. grandparenting wonderful? Uh, yes, it is. But it's funny because my daughter's in Wisconsin, so I really haven't seen her for a minute. Oh. So it's dynamics, but it's okay. I do miss a little squirt, but yeah, she's in Wisconsin. Her dad is in the Marines, as a matter of fact. He's he's giving to his country, so. Yes. Wow. Okay, well, you know what they say to me all the time? You don't look your age or you don't look like a grandmother. I am a proud granny. Call me granny anytime. I am a granny. I should have been a granny. Yeah, I should have been a granny first. I said. <laughs> I tell her, I say, I'm glamma. We do, yuck. I'm glamma. I've taken her, when she was 13 months old, I took her to Europe. She went with me and my daughter to Europe. Oh, wow. And she, well, she says she remembers, but she has pictures of the Eiffel Tower. And she says, I was in Paris. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Really? Oh, my God. Yeah, you were, honey. <laughs> very good. Very good. Well, you know what they say? Black don't crack. No. And I think it's like, Godwin saying he 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 doesn't get sleep. Well, my mom is 87 and she gets her eight hours of sleep religiously. Oh, good. She does her Bible and she gets her sleep. And my good. mom have any wrinkles on her face. Oh, good. My dad is 92 and he doesn't have any wrinkles. Oh he's my God. Yeah, he's 92. And when I saw him a couple of months ago, I said, wow, look at him. He does not look 92. He doesn't look 90, period. And he does not have any of the, the wrinkles. He's got the, the 92-year-old isms. but And he doesn't have dementia. He doesn't have Alzheimer's. He's got old timers. He's got old timers. Not Alzheimer's. My mother will remind you in a minute. And you're just like, isn't she 87? Yeah. But she the same thing. She still goes for her walks every day and everything. She's very yeah. mobile. That's very yeah. good. And there that those uh, are the inspirations. My aunt is 92. Also, she and my dad are the same age. And I have to remind her, you don't drive anymore. Put them <laughs> keys down. <laughs> I know you don't think you're going anywhere. You better put them keys over there. Please, you guys come and get this car from her before I have to hurt her. <laughs> My mom had to stop driving too. She she had to stop because she couldn't. She just was wanting to do what she wanted. And we said, yeah. no, that's not how. Yeah. So that's my it's okay. <laughs> it is okay. Right, Dr. Orke? <laughs> yeah, I think it's really interesting just listening to the exchange. And, uh, you know, I'm also driving down in my own mind, you know, <laughs> all the chaos and noise. You know, my dad succumbed to Parkinson. Oh, wow. uh, before he did, he had a clear mind, minimal wrinkles, and he still did this just 
about two months before he died, they called my mom and winked. <laughs> <laughs> and the nurses oh, said, oh, and the oh, nurses God. told him, Daddy, don't even think about that. <laughs> <laughs> so oh that's just so, to say he still got it yeah it sure, okay but and isn't, isn't alzheimer's dementia the worst because yes, you watch my dad too so. my dad had it too and it's and and it's like you you're i did not want my dad to leave he was 79 when he passed away mm-hmm. i didn't want him to but i wanted him to stop suffering Yes, it is like knock knock who is there and there's nobody in the house. Nobody. And the let, and the reference I always use was a famous letter that uh, our former governor, then President Ronald Reagan, wrote when he said his goodbye to the American people when he had been diagnosed with uh, Alzheimer's disease and he knew that he had seen the sunset. I have that letter right on my desktop and something. Oh that I hold dear. And uh, in the introduction of uh, Miss Betty, you know, uh, I'm always emotional. It's, uh, it's, it's just me. But I liked how Betty described herself rather than herself, but more of what she's involved with, you know. Yeah. Mom, grandma, and the champion. Yeah, she also described her son as being autistic. And uh, I think that would be the best way to start this conversation today while we talk about patient advocacy and health advocacy. Last week, we talked, last month, two weeks ago, we talked about health advocacy. Oh. We had our guests that had a, a basket of prescription meds. Oh, wow. Because they, had, they only added one more to it. Always more. And today we talk about somebody who is actually a champion, somebody with a voice. But rather than talking about, you know, the gloom and doom, the pain and suffering, we always like to put a spin. And the spin today will be labels. What does it mean to be autistic? What do you, how do you describe, how do you describe somebody? Is it offensive or not because president obama once called somebody the r word retired and he got into trouble for doing that never mind any other thing about the political and bipartisan way of looking at things so what is an appropriate way to address anybody these days betty so society has tried to normalize um people with special with special needs, but I'm not, when John was diagnosed at 18 months and he was, Kaiser said, sorry, a hospital said, put him in an institution. I said, God doesn't make mistakes. So I didn't focus. I knew he had autism, but autism didn't have him. Mm -hmm. So I knew I had to create a plan. And I learned early on that schools are for babysitting. I'm the one that's going to do this work. I'm the one that's going to bring my son through this. So when they said John at 18 months couldn't talk, wouldn't be able to read, he reads at college level. He's he's passed all the way up to college algebra at college. And 
So it wasn't because of the the label, but the label only because I talked to my son and now at 29, going to be 30, he understands the label. So the label is there because it's what society has had said, but he can break the ceiling. He knows that. I tell him it's okay because it's so funny. We were getting on a plane one time going to Sacramento to meet with people in the representatives and they had heard about my son. So they wanted us to come. And so we're getting on the plane and we get special treatment and the guy is looking at him and he's, he, he looks at him like, he, he doesn't look like he has special. What's, why is she getting on the plane early? He's a grown man. And I said, oh, he has autism. And my son says, no, I'm not autistic. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it is interesting that you say that because my granddaughter had some delayed uh, responses in her development. So my daughter took her to the doctors in Atlanta, put her in a few programs. And I think by that time she was two. And one of the things that she did find out was that for girls, one, it was highly unusual to be autistic. Second, yes, second, uh, they are not diagnosed until after two years old. Fast, mm-hmm. fast forward, Bailey is nine. She'll be 10. Actually, I take that back. Bailey is nine, but she says she'll be uh, 21 in November. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so, you, you know, you know uh, Yolanda, you said something very interesting. I'm going to f- follow that trajectory and, and continue with Betty because what Betty has just told us something critical about a family unit. Yes. I've spoken to Be- with, with Betty offline. We have other connections, which we must disclose. She's the president of the board, and I'm also a board member mm-hmm. at the West Side Regional Center. And our passion really is just to help people to navigate, to show them what is possible mm-hmm. and what is there. We don't talk about empowerment because we don't even have the power. We tell them mm-hmm. what's it. Right. Well, they these people in uh, Atlanta, they wanted her to think, a few of them did, they wanted her to think, Atlanta and Dallas, they wanted her to think that Bailey is autistic. That, that is Bailey, the question I'm going to ask yeah, Yolanda no, right now. Not at all. How do we stop our... Oh, it wasn't autistic? Especially no, no. mothers. Mothers oh, of oh color, uh, black women, from outsourcing parenting. Uh oh. Uh oh, we lost. Rose. Oh, there yeah, you they, got me back. No. Well, how did, I want to hear your journey too. How did you find out she wasn't autistic? That's amazing. Well, she wasn't. She was. She's just a very, very bright little girl who's very, very active, and. She, I took her to quite a few of her schooling events. <clears throat> I took her to the classes that she went to. I took her to the classes that were given at the medical center. I took her to a speech class. There was a speech therapist that came to the house. Wow. Bailey just decided when she wanted to do what was considered normal. She decided so, that she wanted to do it. She decided. So, mm-hmm. so flip the script. And you're a parent like me, and you know something's wrong. And 
I, I'm the type of parent, you know, give me the bad news, tell me whatever. I'm, I just need to know. So there are so many of my friends that had the same thing happen to them and you're lucky it went the other way, but you're a parent sitting there and you know, something's wrong with your child. My son changed literally overnight when he got vaccinated. And I kept telling the doctor and he just thought, oh, there's this crazy mom that keeps coming with her son, but there's nothing wrong. And then they finally give you the diagnosis. So I have talked to so many black families that did not get the diagnosis. And they would just say to them exactly what you're saying about your grandchild, but it went the the other way, that there's nothing wrong with your child. So you're not doing anything. So you were lucky. You were proactive doing those things. But a lot of my friends who now they look at me and they say, Dr. Godwin, like you said, they said, how did you do it? So I became proactive where I would label everything in the house. John, you're going to learn how to read. They kept saying, oh, you're pushing him. He doesn't need to learn how to read. He's going to be in his own little world. I said, no, no, no. The world is his world. Right. So again, you're still looking at society saying, well, we're really not going to tell you. And like you said, because I did my thesis in college at Dominguez, the, the professor was totally amazed, was about the outcome of autism, especially in the black community for, like you said, girls are lesser than boys, but guess who's the main ones that get autism in the community? Black. Who are the ones that are underdiagnosed? Black. So now we have. Yeah, I, I black you know why? Because they can deal with black kids, strong wills and strong mama. And with that, we just, essentially starts medicating children yeah. and usually they'll be black boys i'm yeah. going so there before yeah. we, before i lost the connection we are talking about how do we really take charge and stop outsourcing parenting because right now we outsource parenting responsibility i know the black dad may be in jail i know all the stereotypes that may be there but not all are in jail and not all black mamas are baby mama. But when we outsource parenting to school, the school resource officers come with a gun. When they come with a gun, they force our kids out of fear, not even understanding what is going on. And when they go to the clinic, the solution is medication and medication right. and medication. So now, Betty, in your own journey, no, I didn't. you are educated. You've gone through grad school in sociology, you have a beautiful that don't crack grandma. You have a son that you've taken care of through this journey and pathway, dining, speaking, and as the case may be. Can you just tell us a little bit about the journey? Because how do you now support other grandmas and other moms? What exactly do we need to Why are you a champion to? And how on earth did you become a board president? So what happened was when John was first diagnosed real quickly, that was the first thing they wanted to do. They threw pads at me that had medicine for him to go to sleep, wake up. If I was mad at him or he was acting bad, to just let him be medicated. So I immediately said no. So he went on a journey where foods were taken away, foods were given, and my son is vegan. He doesn't eat meat. So that was the first thing. 
Then the second thing, I noticed that I needed to put myself in the community. I needed to know what I didn't know. So I would go to all the conferences. They knew me because basically there was a sprinkle of Black people that would go to the conferences because, first of all, it's expensive. Second of all, it's time-consuming. And so I learned the ins and outs of how to get into conferences and get information. I would have doctors come up to me and say, you just need to give your son this vitamin. This is going to help him. So I started learning the importance of nutrition, vitamins, how to supplement my son when he would have the mood swings. John would have to be harnessed on a bus because his behaviors were bad. But I started noticing and started working with him. And then I would tell other parents, like you said, Godwin. So I knew my journey and sorry with God was that I had to empower myself to empower our people, to empower us because you go to conferences and other people are informed, but we just listen to doctors and do what they say. And so I learned how to be my son's advocate as far as his health. So through that journey, I became more, can you guys still hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Oh, okay. I don't see him, so I didn't know. So yes, we can hear you. Okay. So through the journey, I became in the community, I would be an advocate and go for parents. And I would try to tell us about our health. Because if you're giving your kid nachos and Cheetos and they have to sit and be, you know, focused, it's not going to happen. We need to look at fruits, vegetables. Like John knows if we have a meal, we're going to have broccoli and, and carrots and something else because vegetables are important for your mind, your body, your health. And he knows if he goes somewhere, there's certain foods he can. People say that to me because he goes on camping trips with organizations and they're like, your son's behavior is amazing. John has his moments, but he knows from communication, I made important. Even with, look, my daughter's 31. She's still learning how. (laughs) We have boundaries. (laughs) But my son is better at it than my daughter. So I, my journey took me to from being on school campuses, everywhere he went, I would get fingerprinted. I would give time and I would be part of organizations on the campuses where I would raise money. We would go to the science center. We would go to spend the night there and they would say, oh my goodness, how did you do this? And I'd say, you just make it happen. You just make it happen. Everything that kids that are typical experience, he is going to. So that's why for his birthday, when he turns 30 next month, He's going to, he's got a surf party. He's going to surf. He surfs. (laughs) He does everything. No, I'm not kidding. This kid, and he loves it. He loves surfing. Like when he first went out there, they were all like, where has he surfed? I said, this is the first time I've never taken him. So he loves, yes. So you know what? My whole thing is exposure. Godwin knows. I believe that we need to stop being afraid because my friends would tell me, that's not something that normal, you know. And I say, but what is normal? What is normal? We need to expose our kids because you never know. You might have a kid out there that can play hockey or whatever that has that gift. 
And so, oh, next time I'm going to show you, I want your number. I want to show you John's art. He's an artist. He has sold his art. Yes. Yes. Wow. He's amazing. And so, so ben, people ask. Me, so Beth, I'm, I'm going to give you a punch below the belt if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. You no, could, I can take. Yes, you can take a punch. So let me give it to you. With your degree in sociology, why don't you get a real job? And how do you find a real job? Because you just told me about normal. So my job was making sure my son, when I'm not here, can take care of himself. <laughs> and nobody, nobody would have done for my son what I did. And you know what's funny? I was with my ex-husband. He's LAPD retired. And he said to me, we were supposed to have like four kids. And I was like, we have a son. I don't even know what autism is. We're not having any more kids. And he said to me, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to go get a job. I want to be normal. But we would go to school educational things for John. And John was in the corner twirling around. And I said, why is my son doing that? And they would say, well, because that's his normal. And my ex at the time looked at me and said, you're not going to work, are you? I said, no. And he said, it's okay. I'm so So glad you said this because just two weeks ago, a family friend of mine recently bereaved, going through the estate documents, they got the paperwork of the great-grandmom and her occupation was housewife and the place of work on the death certificates from Illinois was home. And she was a homemaker and everybody is standing straight and getting things done. She's not here, but they still salute that woman. And when people talk about normal, usual, we mix it up in language. And when people talk about expectations, usually it's a, project, it's a projection of theirs and not yours. Imagine the good. I teach college kids. They're not kids again. But John is in college. He could have been in my class. And the original introduction was somebody with autism, being autistic and all the connotation, which is a limiting factor. But you've just told us that. Yeah. Hey, hey, gee, you know, you have a three, a third grader in your house also, now a fourth grader that's probably graduating college, like from third grade, they know everything. How was last year? Homeschooling her. I don't know how (laughs) those teachers deal with it. I know, right? my wife just about, you know, mine is this part. Her own is right here. She has no <laughs> hair left on top. Because she will work as hard as it comes. She will come home just dragging her feet and supervise the homework. Check the Zoom link, respond to the instructor, and start again the following day. Are you not telling me a homemaker, a home builder? Is not a real job. I just have to throw that in. No, no, no. And I agree with you because on my journey, you guys, I got offered because of my knowledge, so many jobs. And I got offered to be the head of some organizations and they wanted me to work to be head of companies. And my family would always say to me, you, you, 
you can work somewhere. You can have a job. I said, I do. It's him. It's, yeah. it's him because when he goes to the classroom, when he would go to, to his math classes at El Camino and John doesn't, his verbal skills are minimal. And they would say to me, he gets up there and he does algebra equations. And they would ask him to explain and he could not, but the teacher would say, he would sit John with his, his test and he would get like B's in the class. And the teacher would say, he sits here, he does his homework. He does everything. If we didn't see him, he said his mind must be so just racing with so much yeah. he has to say. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He does all of these things. And let me just say this to you real quick. This is so one of the things about me and my ex were very into music. We love music, jazz, except for aren't, you know, for rap. We're still like on the fence, but okay. So the one thing John loves is music. And so many of my friends would say, most of the kids don't want to listen. But when he was growing up in our house, you're going to listen to Nita Baker. You're going to listen to Earth, Wind & Fire. So the first time I took him to a concert in Las Vegas to see Earth, Wind & Fire, he cried. And I oh. said, what's John? And he said, it's music, but I see them. I see them. And he was so, that did so much to him. Yeah. That did so much. Not the earplugs or seeing them. He actually saw the instruments. Yes. He saw the music. And and you know what was sad? John has seen everybody. He's been to see Beyonce. He's been to see Rihanna dance with him at one concert. He has seen, yes, he has been my son. Once he let me know that. My ex would be like, okay, what concert are you guys going to? We just came from vacancy, Bruno Mars. Oh, Bruno Mars. <laughs> it was so good. It was wow. But again, what is it that drives your person to be that person that engages in the world? And you know what, Godwin? I want to tell you something. Some days with all of this up here, I do have regrets sometimes because my friends say, Wow, you! I did TA at Dominguez because my professors were like, your knowledge of like this world of autism and everything. They said you could really just teach all so much. But again, I have to remember one thing: when I'm not here, he's got to be able to take care of himself, and nobody else is going to do that job, Godwin, but me right now. Yes. So, uh, thank you for putting it so succinctly. Because when we talk about advocacy, we're not talking about dependence. Yeah. Nor are we talking about uh, interference in the decision-making process, but rather to place the person at the center of the decision-making process. Let me tell you something. It's it's a story that just came up from one of my trip. I was in the Sudan. Oh wow. Uh, and in this particular trip, I was looking at the EMOC, Emergency, Emergency Obstetric Care Services. And in this, we're looking at, you know, people, women will need cesarean section, assistance with childbearing, and so on and so forth. And I had a young MD whose only reason for wanting a $12,000 obstetric 
bed, you know, the one with the lithotomy position, how you can assist, was his convenience, not the ease of the woman in labor because he did not want to bend. Oh my God. But with 12,000, I can build a whole structure there. And the women have always had their babies in the frontal position. Yes. Not in the lithotomy position, which is convenience of the practitioner. Oh my. Oh wow. Oh, so wow. Just I he lost his job, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I chose a few words to tell him because I was the, the chief medical officer, I was the medical director of the program. And I said, oh, wow. it's not a problem to give you a an obstetric bed. But it's a problem if it is for your convenience. Yeah, yeah. And not uh, and this type. So, but also, I want to challenge Betty a bit because Betty and I always agree. So this time, I want to disagree with Betty. No, we didn't agree today on the board. I'll talk to you about it later. I know. (laughs) But Betty talked about nachos and Cheetos. And we talk about equity. Betty's educated she's street wise and she's learned but if in your zip code all you really have are those nachos and cheetos you have to get on public transport to get to the closest food for less or else superior that's a problem because we will still go and get the fast food the convenience convenient food and remember you have limited time you have to juggle multiple priorities including two to three jobs i'm not calling you about a single mom i don't just being a mother just even breathing in la you have right. to, you have to juggle those jobs you're right and as an advocate for the person and placing the person in the center how do you not just oppose this what we're talking about equity i mean and that's and that is hard because i am confronted with that with a lot of my friends that say oh you're just bougie because you can go shopping at this store and that store so what i did was i would go with them to the markets in their area and i would go into food for less even i've gone into superior not even, but I went into Superior and I said, okay, so let me tell you something that they tell you about nutrition. The vegetables and everything else are right in the front of the store. So you have to go into the store to get the junk. You physically, so the first place, even if you're going to Superior and I, and all of those things, yes. Oh no, because I've done a lot of outreach with mothers who they're, um, they have health, they have challenges as far as understanding the dynamics of what you're eating. And you're right. I have gone into places where I say, look, I understand you have to go to these smaller stores, but still the main thing is you have to find nutrition within the store the best way you can. And you just have to, and I say, you know, the best way, especially if I'm with my son like I've been with John in places where when we we went to New York and it was hard to find food and I was like oh my god the markets are limited on just junk food so I would got him a bag a plain bag of Lay's potato chips 
because that's, it was what it was. But I said, we have to get out of the dyes and everything like that and go basic. And no, I, I know what you're saying because I, I worked with groups of mothers that their situations where we would literally go and take food all the time, take clothing, find them places to stay and shelters. So I did that. I'm just remembering all the things I've done. So I've done that too, to help moms find somewhere to stay, to help moms go pick them up, take them to um, the places to get food stamps, to make sure that they could get food for their kids. I've gone to places to make sure that the parents and the kids are united and understand the dynamics of it's a mental thing where your food, again, it goes back to your food. If you're eating bad, you're going to think bad. Right. So now you've got to redirect it. Yeah, you've got to think about this. And I know, and I would tell the parents, you know, to help them. I know it's hard to think about that, but you have to, I would tell them, I would say, you have to be the one that recognizes this about your life. I'm not going to be here forever. Oh my God, just remember that where we would go and take food, take clothes. I would find families that were homeless. And yeah, so we did a lot of that. And one of the things that I wanted to mention is I worked at Crenshaw High School for a lot of years. I worked all over LA Unified. I lived across the street from there. Oh, okay. I've worked all over LA Unified. I've worked Inglewood Unified. I've worked in, I can't tell you how many school districts. One of the things that is typical of school districts is that one Every kid in the school must complete the free lunch application. Okay. Every kid has to fill it out, whether they eat that stuff or not. You said they stuff. have to fill it out. They have to fill it out because for every student, that document is equal to money. So the schools and the school districts get money based on that document. So at Crenshaw and other schools, we had to go door to door and get the kids to fill this out, fill it out, fill it out. Because this, the, the administration gives you a period of time in which to get that back because it goes to the feds. The feds in turn send the school district money based on everybody completing that document. So for example, in LA, even in Dallas, 600,000 kids, 600,000 kids have to fill out that document because they're going to get money based on, on that document. Absolutely. So when the kids get, tell me, okay. So that food, I've gotten food for after school programs. I've gotten food for Saturday programs. And, and what they want you to believe is that that food is USDA approved. I wouldn't touch that food with a 35 foot pole. Okay. Yeah, never, you know, you don't eat know. that. You don't eat that. You, you know, you know, you know, Yolanda, we need to step in here. I understand <laughs> the politics and also understand that at a stage, we have to all know this as a fact to each child as a dollar sign. Absolutely. Yes. There's a dollar the, sign. On every the Department uh-huh. of Agriculture and yes. the food. We need everybody to fill that form that is absolutely yeah there are no if ands or buts. department of education we say we are feeding them so we have that connection yes that is a fact and it's it's just the way 
it is. But That's now right. let's talk about advocacy. Do you know that the U.S. Congress approved, passed a motion and approved that pizza is a vegetable? No, 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 no. Don't forget ketchup. Yes, Don't they said the pizza ketchup. and you had some ketchup to eat. It, it fulfills your ketchup. requirement to make yes. it a vegetable. Yeah. Oh, Betty, you are squinting? I will send you the link after this. Yes, ketchup is a vegetable. And ketchup yes. became a vegetable, I believe, maybe 20, 25 No, that was, un- that was under Ronald Reagan. That was under Ronald under Reagan. Under Ronald Reagan. That's then right. pizza that was, was a vegetable wow. under George Bush. Yes. It became a vegetable. Yes. Yeah, because people ketchup. can lobby and people can advocate. So when we're talking yeah. about advocacy, let us think about advocacy at a different level. Like Betty is doing grassroots work but she's also trying to do the legislative one also. So we are talking about federal, state, county, which is the local government and the people. And the people, if at the end, our conversation does not center around the people, they were missing the target. We are just all engaging. I don't know if I can say it on radio, but please, it's mental masturbation. We're just jacking each other off. Yeah. But since <laughs> no, I cannot no. say it on radio, yeah. I'm not going to say it. That's true. Yeah. So, how will you describe a person-centered approach? Remember, I did not say patient because person. It's person. a person. I don't want patients. I'm not a clinician. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that there. I don't think that there. I think that all the approaches are a business. In fact, uh, yeah. Superintendent Hanahosa said today he used the word business. And, mm-hmm. and educate, educators, people in the education arena have to remember not to use the word business. Because when you talk about business and you talk about educating children, they should be worlds apart, but they're not. They're not. They're not worlds apart. Business first. The kid and his education is third. Then just always know that. Just whether they are special needs or not. Oh yeah, the business. Oh, and and by the way, we I don't call them special needs. I call my children people with different abilities. Because different if abilities. if young Mister John can see the instrument that I'm struggling to hear, he sure has a different ability and definitely a better one. Because you can play a drum and a piano by me, and I will not even know the difference. Yeah, yeah. But John can have a blend, and he will tell you, oh, that is I, or that is off. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to punch you in the stomach. Go ahead. Not too low. <laughs> <laughs> so, so all through this journey of 28 years for my son, every time someone comes up with a new label and for me as a parent okay because mentally it's not going to change when John walks through that door and has to be the person he has to be it's still going to be a label and it's okay because the label doesn't make him he makes himself and somebody yeah and somebody Dr. God when God bless you 
but this has been for years. I mean, it's fine. You walk in the office and you'll say special needs. I'll go, no, they're called. And I'm like, okay, John, do you feel better? Now you're, you're not that label anymore. So does this mean when you walk in the classroom, they're going to acknowledge you for your contribution to who you are? Does that mean when you go into a store and you apply for a job? See, this is a big thing for me as an Don't advocate. Forget. Don't forget that Holly Robinson Pete's son worked for the Dodgers and got an apartment by himself. And he is, oh. okay, and and she is in the organization. Matter. So yes, so is Ariba Martin. So and quite a few of the people who are so-called high profile, they have sons who are, forgive me for saying, sons with different abilities. Yeah. So yes. in okay. abilities. No, wait, I want to address what you just said. Wait a minute. So this is so interesting because Godwin asked a really good question. It's all tying in. It's all tying in. So when me and my ex, he had a really decent job and and I could be, you know, stay at home, do this with John, pick him up, run this, go there, talk to this therapist, do this, do that. And I thought, man, if I had a million dollars, I could even do more. So then I meet these movie stars and everyone. And, and I said, wow, if I had a million dollars, John could have done that too. When I met Holly Robinson Pete, I was like so amazed. But again, like you said, oh, there's different tiers to all of this. There's mm-hmm. different tiers because you're not going to get the same services that that person got. John can't go apply for a job at Dodger Stadium. <laughs> He's right. not going to do that. Yes, yes. But Betty, you are talking about accommodation. Valuing the ability of the person is one thing, but also talking about the accommodation of the person. But Do wait you a minute. know how difficult wait, it was for but you didn't you didn't let me finish. But wait because... a minute, you guys, I gotta hit both of you. I gotta hit both of you. Okay, kill us. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got it. My stomach is still okay. Elon Musk. Elon Musk, they have he has come out and said that he has autism. Well, he says he has Asperger's. Okay, Elon Musk. Okay, Elon Musk has Asperger's. And it's, it's, and you have to look at it, look at him and go, no wonder he's a genius. Yeah. Okay. No. No wonder he's a genius. But remember some of those people that are in those places, they've been able to be cultivated in some way to be like that. And don't get me wrong. I don't want to seem like I'm snarky or I have anything, but I have a son that's 30 years old that John can pretty much communicate to a level but now like like godwin says we have person-centered plans we have person person-centered plans that you need to have a program that fits you and again it's on how much money of a budget who's getting because weren't we talking about that the other day on our board equity how much is being given to the black community how much of the white community how much of the hispanic community where you can facilitate this. And again, I know it sounds like I am, but I'm not snarky. <laughs> what because, does snarky mean? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not like angry. I'm not <laughs> like holding a grudge, but oh. wouldn't it be nice if everybody in the black community that has a disability or their special ability could have that funding 
to do those things because we don't in the community. We're, I'm sitting in a doctor's office when my son was 18 months old and he said, oh, here's medication, bye. Just like that, open the door. Please, ma'am, leave. There's nothing we can do for your son. Nothing. So you're looking at, you go from there to this and then you, you look at someone like Holly Robinson, Pete and all these stars that have their kids have these wonderful jobs. Uh, hi, I, I'm Betty John's mom. And um, okay, thank you very much. That's how it is. Mm-hmm. That's the reality of it. Mm-hmm. And now, especially at Westside Regional, there's this big push. Go out in the community and find your son a job. Just find him a job. So I asked our, our ED, I said, so how many people with special needs you see at Walmart, Trader Joe's, Macy's? So again, let's be real and have a real reality check on this. Nobody wants to hire them because they don't want to see them. That's the reality. Yes, but you see, Betsy, you are so well placed and always, we talk about our community too. You are so well placed. You are so well, you are, you are, you are blessed. You are articulate. Oh, yeah. You are also person-centered in your approach and your strategy. We yes. don't always have to agree with you. You are a champion. That is a summary of faith. You recognize when we talk about labels, that when we talk about a label, we're not talking about excluding a particular group, but rather including people, inclusiveness. But we're also talking about appreciating who that person is. For example, it will be very difficult to go around with your name being Barack Hussein Obama. You can't even pronounce that name. <laughs> But just as it is difficult to be called Lakisha, Kanisha, Maisha, <laughs> that is as difficult as it is right now because you are already placed in a, yeah. in, you know, you, you already find yourself stuck somewhere else. So let's, let's keep it real. It used to be Muhammad Barack Hussein Obama, but he became president. And they said, oh, because of this and that and that. But we never, no matter how it is, end our chats on that footing. We're talking about accommodation. So with this opportunity of the successes you have with John and less successes somewhere, and very importantly, already being president of a board, it's actually an advocacy board too. And you have the microphone today. You can move and shake. You already have more than $250 million in your portfolio. I send you to Lemar Park. That's my neighborhood. That's our neighborhood. What are you going to tell my sisters, the mothers, the women there, the black people? Don't give up. Keep yourself spiritual. And people would always ask me, how did I do it with John? When they look at his cum, they have from when he was 18 months diagnosed until now and they can't believe this is the same person but I never give up because God doesn't make mistakes right. and I have to keep myself positive in that in that quest because like I've told God when I've had cancer twice the second time I got bone cancer they gave me a year to live it's been eight years mm. and I didn't sit there with the doctors crying I just said they said what are you doing I said I'm praying first and then I'm going to figure out what do I need to do to make this positive because God doesn't make mistakes. God does not make mistakes. He doesn't make mistakes. So 
I had to redirect a lot of my energy in my life, like I do with my son. Everything is about not what other people see, what you're going to do. I don't get caught up in that. I don't. I just do what I have to do. So I think we have to remember the energy isn't in the school. The energy is in yourself. When they said John couldn't read, I went and got books. (laughs) Dr. Seuss books. And we would read until he would learn a word. Yeah. So parents ask me, the kids are 20 and they hear John reading and they go, how did he read? And I said, a word a day. Yeah. A word a day. And look, he's 30 and he's still reading and he does a word a day. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter what your position is in life, because I just use Holly Robinson. Pete, I love her. I've talked to her so many times. I look at, I didn't have that million, but I had something else. I had my faith in God and I have my faith in myself. So you got to have that sometimes because so many of my friends, they'll come to me and they'll go, what did you do? What's the answer? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You need to sit down and figure out. And like I used to tell people when they would say, God, when they would say to me, who was your behaviorist? I never had a behaviorist. I had, John was horrible. He used to bite, scratch, spit. He was the demon child of autism. He was. And you know what? I never felt like he would not come out of this nightmare he was in. Yeah. Yeah. And he went until he was like five when he finally came to me. Like he, he said, okay, she's pushing this. I'm going to say it. He said, hi, mom. I was like, hi, John. Like it was so natural. Like he, not until he was five. He wasn't potty trained until he was four. And when he did, he said, that's easy. It was just. (laughs) (laughs) So I think I know that you cannot give up. Right. That's true. Are you telling the mother that uh, maybe she's not as privileged and, uh, you know. But you are. But you are privileged because you have the love and the faith of God to get you through. Because there were so many times when I would sit in an office somewhere where they would tell me, well, John's just not doing that good. And I would say, okay, and pray. And it would be hard. You know, it's not going to be easy. It's not. No one, no one, I tell people this, you guys, it took 28 years for him to be the person he is today. Took 28 years. I didn't give up. I didn't, I didn't look at him and go, you know what? Like even when he learned how to swim, he used to say, mom, no more. And I said, get back in there. Cause I'm not going to be there. And guess what? My daughter was somewhere with him because she could go with him to a lot of the programs. And she said, mom, she was like nine. She said, someone died. I said, what happened? They didn't know how to swim. Yes. And on, on that note, I would say, John is 28 today. No, I no he's know 30. He's going to be 30. 30. Okay. Looking at 28, it is unlikely you will be here when he's 82. Yes, I will. But, but from right. wherever you are, you will look down and smile and say, you've done your beats. And you know who that is? That's my dad, too, because my dad... He was old school and he would say to me, he did that. You you know what we need to do. And I'd be crying and I'd say, dad, he's autistic. The schools say, and my dad would say, you know what? It's going to be okay because so many parents, you know what? Let me just say this really quickly. So many parents 
when their kids get older, they have to give them medication because they can't control them. Right. Yeah. Because we medicate ourselves out of the problem. And so we ask Yolanda now to tell us where we have this show every week. Every week, every week, in your own words with Dr. Godwin Orkay. Thank you, you guys, for having me. Thank you, Betty. Thank you so much. I'm going to just tune in to see you guys. Great. Wonderful. Well, Dr. Orkay has a great show every first and third Monday right here on the Intentional Talk Radio Network. It has been a pleasure to be a part of the conversation. And thank you, Dr. Orkay, for always allowing me to be a part of the conversation. I I greatly appreciate it. Thank you, you guys. You need to come back with your board. We need to talk to all your boards in your own words. That's right. Right here on In Your Own Words. And don't forget to join us tomorrow for Change Matters right here on the Intentional Talk Radio Network. And tomorrow, our guest is B. Dixon from The Honeypot. B. Dixon. Oh, oh, I read that book. Oh, I'm going to be on there tomorrow. I read it. Oh, great, great. Well, she's our guest for tomorrow. She'll be right here on the Intentional Talk Radio Network. And the honey, that's right. Her products are in stores all over the country. She's going to talk about her adventure, the journey, and what it took for her to get her products in the stores. It, it is a journey, and they, they mistreated her, I'll tell you that. So you do uh, have to Please, where are these shows available? right here on the Intentional Talk Radio Network and you can get all of our shows on Amazon, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, anywhere that you get your podcasts. Wherever you get your podcasts, you're on those platforms. So thank you for joining us and you can also hear Dr. Godwin Orkay on on all of those platforms, all of those podcast platforms. So be with us tomorrow and don't forget every, every other, I'm sorry, uh, August 31st, we're going to have another show. It's time to tell the truth. And I'm sure Dr. Godwin or Kay will be on that show because it will be a panel of doctors talking about COVID-19. Oh, yes, ooh. absolutely. Okay. So you want to be with us. It's been great. Thank, Thank you all. Thank you so much. It's been a great evening. Enjoy yourself. Be safe going home, everybody. Take care. Okay, good night.